We've got this uh, special series which we're going to do over January. As you know, if you've been in the church for a little while, if this is not your first January, we often try to do something a bit different in January. Uh, we try to look at a bit of a, a different series um, as we ease our way into the year. We're coming back from holidays. We're easing back in. But we're doing this series called The Songs We Sing. And uh, it's actually funny, as a little aside, you'll see a record on the screen there. I actually used the word CD or the phrase CD to one of my kids the other day. And they said, what's that? And I said, oh, <laughs> CDs. Um, so we talked about music and how we get it. But it was interesting because records apparently are back on the increase. They don't have enough uh, manufacturing plants for vinyl records at the moment because of the demand. So there you go. But we're going to be looking at the songs we sing, and we're going to spend some time over the coming weeks exploring some of the songs that we as a church sing. It's one of these uh, interesting things because we spend about half of our service roughly singing. And when you think about that idea... Uh, it's probably very unusual. And you can imagine someone who maybe hasn't been in church before, maybe that's been your experience, to come into a room of adults and children from all walks of life, from all ages and demographics, singing together, unless you knew you were turning up to some kind of choir, it's a bit of a strange experience. And you'll see that in the Christian, Christian tradition or our heritage, that singing is a significant part of our expression of faith. If you look at other religions, you look at Muslims and Buddhists and Hindus, they don't have the same idea of community singing, of song, of worship in the same way that we do. And yet singing or songs... I think uh, one of the uh, most uh, divisive things in sometimes in churches, the type of music, the style of music, the instruments that are part of the band, how loud it is, how quiet it is, all of those things tend to solicit strong opinions, don't they? We, we tend to, you'll see between different churches, other than kind of doctrinal uh, beliefs, the kind of the... The, uh, the things that we believe, you'll see that the different thing that sets it apart is often the style or the type of worship. And so what we're going to do over the coming weeks is we're actually going to pull out a couple of the songs that we do and we're going to spend some time unpacking the truth of God's Word that is revealed to us and reinforced in our minds and in our lives through the songs that we sing. And what we're going to do, and for those of you who don't like change, this is going to maybe, you know, unsettle you a little bit. At the end of my message, which will hopefully be a bit shorter than normal, the worship team is going to come back up and we're going to sing the song that we've kind of shared about this morning. So I'm just giving you time so you can get ready for that. Let's pray as we open God's Word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the power of your Word. Lord, we thank you for the significance in singing, in, in that aspect of our worship to you. Father, we pray that, that this uh, series over the coming month or so, that as we unpack this, that you would reveal more of yourself to us. Particularly, God, as we open your word, this word that isn't just words on a page, but is, is uh, the, the very word of God, the bread that we need. We pray, Father, that you would...
uh, just bring it to life through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Singing is not just something we do as a tradition, but rather it's actually mentioned some 400 times in Scripture. And if you're worried, I'm not going to spend uh, any time looking at all 400 of those, but I do want to point out a couple to you because it is a, revo- a, re- a kind of resounding theme throughout God's Word. It comes up time and time and time again, this idea of singing or this idea of song. We're going to start in Zephaniah 3.17. We're going to race through a couple of verses and then we'll land in Acts today. But Zephaniah 3.17 says this. It tells us that God sings. It says, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. So God is a God who sings. We also see that the longest book of the Bible, Psalms, is a book of song. And you might, it's probably unsurprising that Psalm talks about frequently, the Psalms talk about singing. Psalm 96 verse 1 says this, Sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord, praise His name. I think the psalmist is really trying to drive home this point. Sing. Each day proclaim the good news that he saves. Publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things he does. It's not just Psalm 96 that tells us to sing. In fact, there's about 50 direct commands in Scripture to sing. Now, if you're someone who doesn't like singing or maybe doesn't have a great singing voice, you don't get out of this. Nowhere in Scripture does it say sing if you can hold a tune, or sing if you like it. It says to sing. There are 50 commands, two that come to mind in the New Testament that you might be familiar with because they're in fairly well-known passages. Colossians 3, 16 and 17 says, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. I remember verse 17 of Colossians 3 was one that was drilled into me in in kids' church at the school that I went to. That was one we learnt by heart. But we didn't learn by heart that the verse before it says, sing, sing. Ephesians 5, 18 to 20 says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So sing, sing. Scripture also tells us that Jesus sings. Both Matthew and Mark tell us that Jesus sings with the disciples at the Last Supper. It, it, it tells us that they together they sung a hymn. And Jesus' final words on the cross, perhaps you knew this, Jesus' final words on the cross Father, I entrust my spirit 
into your hands are actually quoted from the words of a song, Psalm 31, 5. And so Jesus sings, and I'd say to you this morning, church, that we don't just sing because of tradition. We don't just sing because an hour-long sermon would be too long, although I think we all agree that it probably would be. That's okay. You can tell me that. I won't be upset. We don't just sing to give those who are musically inclined a place to serve, although it does give them a space where they can use their God-given talents. We sing because God instructs it. And we sing because if God instructs it, then there must be a purpose behind it. And you know what? I think we sing a lot and we, it's part of our services. And, and isn't it great? I mean, the, from the moment this church started, we have been so blessed with an incredible worship team. We're blessed with Ads, who, who leads that team um, so faithfully. Um, and it is such a blessing to us. But isn't it great? that God calls us to sing. Maybe it's something we don't talk about enough. It's something we do, but maybe we don't spend time thinking and talking about it enough. But there's a couple of quick points I'd make to you before we move on, is that, as I said before, singing is an instruction in Scripture to all of us. Regardless of whether you've been a Christian for one day or for a hundred years, regardless of whether you're a music lover or not, like I said before, regardless of whether you're tone deaf or not, uh, we are instructed to sing. We are called to sing. And the other thing I just want to make a point of quickly is often in church life, we use the words singing and worship interchangeably. And that's okay because we all know what we mean. We're not going to get caught on that, but we know that singing is one part of our worship. We've worshipped God through song this morning. We've worshipped God through our giving. We've worshipped God now through the Word, through opening that together. We've worshipped God through, through being in community. Uh, and so we know that singing is one part of it. But why does God ask us to sing? Why does <clears throat> His Word instruct us to sing? If you're thinking that there might be some really deep theological reason for it, I'm sorry, you might be a little bit disappointed. Because the reason why God instructs us to sing at a very basic level is because God enjoys hearing the praises of His people. It brings joy to God. He is a singing God and it brings joy to Him when we lift up His name. As Psalm 96 said a few moments ago, when we declare and tell of the wondrous things that He has done, it brings joy to Him. But Psalm 96 had a second part to it. It not only brings joy to God, but it also brings the focus of our lives back to Him and testifies of His goodness to others. And so in our song, we actually tell of God's goodness we testify of His goodness to those around Him. Many of you will know that uh, I, uh, as well as church, work in a Christian school. And one of the things we do in, in the school is we get together and we sing as a community. 
Um, and we often have uh, prac students come in from the local universities, and often they're not Christians, and it's their first exposure to a faith-based school. And we get together as staff at a school, and we sing. And I can tell you, if you are not a Christian and have never been exposed to that, and you turn up to a school, and all these teachers get together and admin staff and sing, it is very strange. The responses that they give of they've, you know, they've been in all these other contexts and then they turn up and all these adults stand together and sing. It is really strange. But one of the things that often they remark on is how special and significant it is. They don't know why. They don't know what it is about it that makes it different. But when they're standing there hearing of us proclaiming and singing about how great God is, it makes a difference and it testifies to how great He is. But I'd say to you today, and this is where we're going to spend a few moments, that when we sing God's truth, it does something in our own spirits as well. When we sing God's truth, it does something in our own hearts, in our own minds, and in our own lives as well. One of the songs uh, we sang this morning is called Again and Again. And if you don't know uh, the titles of the songs, which you probably don't, I'm hard-pressed most of the time to remember them. Uh, That's okay, because you might recognize them. We're going to sing it in a moment. But let me share some of the words with you. This song again and again says this, When the doubt in my way tries to steal what you've saved, saying, I have no reason to praise, I will give thanks. When the roar that I hear is the voice of my fear, trying to silence this hope in my heart, I will give thanks. A song of thanksgiving is my battle cry. With joy as my weapon, I'll stand and defy the lie of the dark with my hands lifted to the sky. I will rejoice. I will rejoice. I will dance in your kindness and claim every yes and amen. I will rejoice. I will rejoice. I will shout of your goodness forever again and again. When it's all stripped away, And it seems it's too late. Hope is buried and dead in the grave. I'll speak your name. Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I'll never stop. I'll never stop. And nothing can stop my praise. I don't know about you this morning, but that song, when I looked at the words, I think the great thing about it is it's so relevant to our lives, and it declares such a simple truth. You see, the songwriters speak of seasons of doubt, seasons of fear, seasons of worry, situations or times in our lives where we're facing something that's impossible, and it seems to us that it's too late for God to bring about a good outcome. There are those seasons in our life. And the the song declares that in the hardship and in the trial, that we'll make a choice to speak God's name, that we'll make a choice to give thanks to Him, that in that season, the song of thanksgiving to God will be our battle cry, that we'll rejoice, and this will scare some of you, that we'll dance in His kindness, that we will shout of His goodness again and again. And do you know what? I, I wonder, for some of you this morning, you might be thinking, oh, that's where I feel I am right now. 
I feel I'm facing an impossible situation. I feel like things are too hard. I feel like the loudest voice in my mind is a voice of worry. It's a voice of doubt. It's a voice of fear. And if that's not your season at the moment, I can imagine you can recall a time where that was your season. And unfortunately, we know that there may be a time where that is your season. And so I'd encourage you that the words of the song are powerful. You know what? I I think that the last time we want to sing, even for those who are singers amongst us, the last time we want to sing is when something's gone wrong. I don't know about you, but there's possibly someone in your household who is the singer. I am the singer in my household. Um, Our youngest is also the singer in our household. There's nothing he loves more than singing at the most random times. Um, There might be, if not in your household, at your workplace. Do you know that really annoying person that as you kind of like walk through the door at nine o'clock in the morning and you you're wiping the sleep out of your eyes and there's that person singing to themselves in the kitchen or in their, at their desk and you think, oh my goodness, it is too early for that. But when we go through times of trouble or times of hardship, singing is often our least natural response. But Scripture tells us that in the face of difficulty or in trials or hardship, that we should face them with a song of thanksgiving. Psalm 59.14 says this, My enemies come out at night, snarling like vicious dogs as they prowl the streets. They scavenge for food and go to sleep unsatisfied. But as for me, I will sing about your power. Each morning I will sing with joy about your unfailing love, for you have been my refuge, a a place of safety when I am in distress. You know what? If we are instructed to sing in the good times, we are instructed all the more to sing in the hardship as well. If we're instructed to sing in the good times, we're instructed to sing in the hardship as well. And as I was thinking about it over the last few weeks, I cannot think of a better place to land than in Acts 16. And you might know this story, and it's actually... um, interesting because uh, I went out this morning and they were putting a cage um, outside where the kids church happens and I said you can't put them in cages Um, but they are actually doing act 16 in kids this morning and I had no idea until I saw the cage now if you're a parent you're starting to get worried they're not putting kids in cages they promised me but they are talking about Paul and Silas in prison So you can have a chat with your kids because you've learned about the same thing today. So Paul and Silas give us an incredible example of what it means to sing in times of trouble. If you don't know the story, Paul and Silas have gone to Philippi to encourage the emerging church. This is the church that later on Paul writes the letter of Philippians to. And they, as they're walking through, they minister to this young demon-possessed girl. And they set her free uh, from this possession. And she actually was used by her masters to make a lot of money as a fortune teller in this demonic possession. And so the masters and the town, they become angry with Paul and Silas. And the passage tells us that they get wooden um, rods, they strip Paul and Silas. And the passage says they severely beat them before they're thrown into the inner dungeon 
and with stocks clamped around their feet. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm Paul and Silas, I'm feeling a little bit miffed because I have gone and done what God has asked me to do. I'm not in jail because of my own stupidity or, or breaking the law or something. I'm, I'm actually ministering and setting someone free. And the injustice of that, of being thrown into prison, not just thrown into prison, but being badly beaten, stripped naked and beaten and put in the inner dungeon because of serving God and ministering to someone. That seems rather unfair. And we actually see that they're in this prison. And Acts 16.25 tells us, and, and it's hard to picture ancient prisons, but they were places of disease and despair. And in this prison, it says to us in Acts 16.25, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains uh, off every prisoner. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Isn't it incredible? What a convicting thing it is. If you're feeling a little bit uncomfortable, that's okay. Because Paul and Silas, suffering from the wounds of their beating, languishing in chains, their only crime having been setting a woman free, they're not bitter and angry at God. Instead, what they do is they start praying and singing and singing. And what a strange sound that would have been resounding and resonating through the halls of this prison from the inner dungeon. And the other prisoners, it tells us, are listening. And it's probably not a surprise that they're listening to this strange sound that is coming out. And I'd ask the worship team to come as we finish this morning. But I, I, I want to point out two things to you. The first thing is that when we see them sing, we see God move mightily. When we see them sing, God moves mightily. You see, his heart is moved by the praise of Paul and Silas. They are praying and they are singing and they are praising God. And it convicts me, and I hope it does to you too, that when we're faced with those situations that maybe seem unfair or they seem difficult or they seem hard or they seem impossible, that we are called to proclaim His goodness, to proclaim His name, to sing songs of thanksgiving. You see, He is a God who sings and He asks His people to sing. And so in those seasons when we sing and we praise, it does resonate with the heart of God. We see here too 
one of the things that we mentioned earlier in, in the psalm is that the song, the song that they sing, it brings a testimony to the prisoners and to the jailer. And I'll tell you this morning that when you sing, it does change something in your spirit. It does change something in your heart. And the way that you face challenges, the way that you face trial, does have an impact on those people around you. It does have an impact on your family. It does have an impact on your friends. It does have an impact on your neighbors. And so I'd encourage you this morning, let's sing in hardship. Let's sing in suffering. Let's sing in trial. Let's choose to sing songs of thanksgiving to our God to declare His goodness again and again. Would you stand with me, church? We're going to sing and we're going to pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can declare the truth of it in song. Lord God, we thank you that even though it's really hard, that in times of, of difficulty or doubt, or seasons of struggle that we are called to sing songs of thanksgiving. And so, Father, I pray this morning that as we sing, particularly those of us who are not feeling like it, those of us who are feeling down, those of us who are doubting or feeling fearful or angry, God, I pray particularly this morning for those here who might be feeling bitterness towards you, God, maybe they're, they're carrying a, an old hurt or, or they're facing something at the moment and they're thinking, God, where are you? God, why haven't you done something? God, I just pray that you would call them to sing. Father, that they would start declaring your goodness and just like you did for Paul and Silas, Father, that it does resonate with your heart and that they would see you move in their life. And so, Lord, we just declare that. We thank you for the truth and the goodness of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing together, church.